Greetings, commanders, and welcome to episode 303 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Leet and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, otherwise known as Colin Ford, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder bar for this episode, we have our usual head of health and safety, Commander Edelweiss, that's Ben Moss Woodward. It's actually just Psycho Cow who's off. Um, and has anyone got any deodorant, man? Okay. We also have the aforementioned Commander Psycho Cow, our chief bar steward, helping with the tech. Hello. Help me take the Ben keeps breaking because he's a blooming bulldog in a china shop. It's not my fault. I'm putting my things where you tell me to put my things, but then you go off and whine about it. He and you say you shouldn't put your things there. You put Stop your things eating over the here. toothpaste! <laughs> And as you can see, Sanity is, has returned to the Orange swine, Sidewinder Bar. I almost said Swidewinder Bar, Swinewider Bar there. This is getting worse. Is anybody interested in pigs? Because we've got a Swinewinder Bar now. Oh, it's a good, good ship name right there. Swinewinder. Swine <laughs> yeah. I had a lovely ham roast the other night. Pig. Oh, off to a great start. Uh, we also have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Hello, and we have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? Hey. Now, if you wish, you can join us live, although why? <laughs> uh, ben is hanging out in game somewhere, if you want to go try and shoot him. I'm doing some missions at the moment and just having fun with us. Excellent. So he's playing in live at the moment, if you can track him down. <laughs> if you can't get to us in-game, you can also join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live and click on the live chat. And you can just go straight to twitch.tv slash laveradio if you ever want to see this this car crash happening live. So <laughs> we'll go around everybody, see how they are for this week and uh, what they've been up to. So we will start with Ben and see how he's holding up. Now I've been good. I've been finally after five months, something like that, my family has escaped shielding or whatever it's called. So I'm actually able to go and be within less, more than two meters of my daughter and my sons and my wife. Hooray! Yeah, I'm going to be seeing them for the first time in God knows how long on Friday, so yay. That's yeah, yay. You haven't seen your family for months. The you could have gone up and visited them. them, just claimed you were doing an eye test. <laughs> I think it would be slightly worrying if the optometrist wound up sleeping with the person they were giving the eye test to and hugging the person's three-year-old and things like that. Words might be said. Ben just took that and ran with it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> what other way are you meant to be taking it? Uh, I'll explain to you off air. It's obviously there's a tumbleweed going through it next to you. Okay, anyway, so apart from being all excited about that, in-game I've been playing Watch Dogs 2 for the first time, which I've been enjoying. I've been running missions. I've been playing Minecraft. I've been playing Roblox. God help me. And Roast Ham the other night. In Minecraft. No, in real life. Well, Shan, what have you been up to this week then? I've actually been away. I had my first stay at a hotel since lockdown with Mrs. Shan. We went away to a, quite a nice hotel near Hull. It was quite strange, really, because obviously it was mask day on Friday. 
And there was something rather surreal about seeing everyone walking around with masks on, looking at you very furtive, just in case your masks slip down and <laughs> dare expose a nostril. I mean, the hotel did really well with the, with the guidelines and making it COVID-friendly and all that stuff. But it was, I don't know, it felt vaguely dystopian. Just think, in about two or three months' time, we'll have white van drivers going past going, cool, look at the nostrils on her. <laughs> I'm just picturing, you know, Janet Jackson having a nostril slip. Anyway, so what else have we done to? But yeah, so we took the, uh, we took the, we, we, we took the car up, broke our auto drive record, or Mitty Shan did, until she got banned from autopilot for the first time. Yeah, so it's been re- it was really good. Feeling very chuffed with ourselves, actually, because the 300-mile round trip cost us £1.05 in electricity. I mean, do you actually suffer from range anxiety with your car? No, not really, because the car has about the same range as my AMG had. So you don't have range anxiety with a petrol car, do you? So why would you have it with an electric car? Well, normally because you need to pull up and then wait an hour or two to charge somewhere, don't you? Or am I well behind the times now? Well, it depends on the electric car you have. But on on mine, we, we drove for I think it's a three hour drive up there. So we drove we drove for a couple of hours and we stopped off, had a cup of coffee, and in that time, if we had it done, we would have just set the car to charge, have a cup of coffee, fifteen twenty minutes, and you're on your way again. Yeah, because the range anxiety used to be with the old minis because you used to get about 200 miles and then there would be an eight, not a four-hour wait while you charged it up again. And because the charge stations were so far apart, (laughs) you were worried whether or not you'd actually get to the next one before your charge ran out. Well, well, in this case, the hotel we selected had a what's called a destination charger. Mm-hmm. So we, we parked the car there, let it charge up properly overnight for free, and then that was it. So it was just like while we was having our meal and uh, having a snooze, the car was filling up with electrons again. Cool. So, yeah, uh-huh. it, was quite rela- it was quite relaxing. I do have a trivial question for the listeners and the stream today. Is what does the episode number, the 303, have in common with the term the whole nine yards and you guys oh. know it because i mentioned it last week but you did but i can't remember what it was oh yes i do yes i do and i won't mention it so yeah i didn't really get much elite playing at all this week really i've just been too busy enjoying myself and playing spot the person without the mask it's almost like the salem witch trials <laughs> in a way, because if someone walked in without a mask, everyone glared at them, and you could almost see the fingers pointing, going, "You haven't got a mask. You're the witch. You're the witch," etc. So yeah, it's all quite weird, really. We'll move to Souverine, who is in an isolated bunker while while cooking happens, I believe. So the the quest for the Souverine Residence 2.0 continues. We've been looking at lots and lots of flats in London. Uh, We're still looking at the one that I talked about last time, which was the the three-bedroom flat above a commercial premises, because I really do like the idea of opening a wine bar. But specifically, I don't like the idea of running a wine bar that's not under my flat. Um, I don't like that sounds a ball ache. But but being able to just wander downstairs and 
sell some wine and talk to people and then just lock up and wander upstairs. It sounds brilliant. It sounds super there is fun. an easy solution to that, Steve. Hmm. You move into the flat above an alcoholic and you can just run down and just kind of <laughs> get in. <laughs> sounds like being at home. <laughs> it's got weird. Anyway. So viewing that one tomorrow, and then we've we've had a few other ones, um, but that's 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 all ticking along nicely. But taking up quite a lot of time, moving house as a as a as a full time endeavour, really. Um, and estate agents, my God, they're so annoying, they're so irritating. Oh, oh, sorry, oh, you have sorry, no any idea. Yeah, sorry to any estate agent listeners, but um, no, even but, estate agents will be nodding their heads, going, "Yeah, well, fair enough." Yeah, I know. I'd like, I, <laughs> I've been shown like, you, you know, you, you see something online and it's advertised as a three bedroom, and then you go and look at it, and what it actually is is a one bedroom and then two small crevices of the type that you normally store hoovers in, and you're like, <laughs> "This isn't a bedroom. This would be. This isn't a bedroom for ants. Like, what are you talking about?" No, you see, um, they're, they're, they're working on the Harry Potter size of bedroom. Yeah, 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 precisely. And it, it, but it's just so funny because you, you, like, you'll turn around and you'll be there, like, standing next to them, and you'll be like, I- "Is this the? Is this a bedroom? Is in you know a bedroom for a bed?" And they're like, yeah, 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 that's the third bedroom. And I'm like, "Have you seen a bed? Do you know how long they are? Like, they, they, this is a cupboard." Um, Maybe they uh, think it's for the children you're going to have, Steve. Well, yeah, I have reassured them all that that's not happening, but they don't seem to be internalising. Um, but um, <laughs> but ho hum. Um, I think what's quite annoying, and and probably other people get this all the time, but people always assume that you're just a ticking time bomb, and um, and that sooner or later you'll change your mind, which people don't assume with other things. Like if you say you don't play badminton, people don't look at you and be like, oh, one of these days you suddenly will, or just you wait until you become. You a might not be fan. the ticking time bomb, Suv. The Suvette is the ticking time bomb. She's got yeah. these, you know, these hormones and things like that, and she turns thirty, and God help you, man. That's already happened. She's thirty-two, um, as am I. So, um, and uh, anyway, yeah. So, so the you, uh, you, you can't, can't be thirty-two. 32. You look twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say he looks, he looks fourteen, about to break into acne. But... <laughs> So when you saw me, I had just shaved and I was wearing my suit, my um, suit, my my sag eye shirt, which is a large. So I, it would have been, uh, and my hair is enormous at the moment, which would have made my, my just, head look just small. Just to clarify for everybody, that's what 32 looks like when you're not Scottish. That's why Colin and Ben have got a problem with it. <laughs> Actually, interestingly, uh, the Lave Radio crew were all the same age, um, but I'm the only one who's not a chronic Scottish alcoholic. So there you go. <laughs> you can sod off. <laughs> Although I must admit, about ten years ago, both uh, me, Grant, and Ben would probably be <laughs> well past the die-by date in Glasgow. <laughs> I'm going to be Colin. When we started the show, we looked like Suv as well. <laughs> I've got to spend my days does to you. jumping out of shadows, making sure there's nobody with large dark cloaks on. Um. I don't know where that came from either. Don't worry. No. I'm on borrowed time. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Phantom Raspberry Blur of Old London Town <laughs> That's my brother. <laughs> and those were not raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, in game, I've been, uh, I have been, what have I been doing? I've been doing some missions. I've decided to very, very slowly earn my way up to fleet carrier ownership because what the bloody hell else am I going to do? Um, and um, so I'm currently on 
275 million. Uh, so I've got four and a bit billion to go. Um, so I've been, and I, I don't really like mining, so I'm not going to, and also, obviously, it's just been walloped. You want your um, parade to be rained on, to? Uh, go on. Five billion is not enough to own a fleet carrier. Ah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, we've done that to death. So uh, I am earning some money, um, and I've been doing it by just general mission running, which has been super fun. I, I feel like I feel like to avoid frustration with elite the best way to experience it and, and, and this is very prescriptive and, and i always mock people who say oh it should be played like this blah 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 but i'm going to do it anyway i feel like the the, the, the way to play elite and uh, and really enjoy it as is just to treat it like the 1984 game so just you and your spaceship doing missions tootling about taking it as it comes if you try and get too deep into the the bgs or power play or 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 any other features that have sort of been tacked on over the years. You, it's, it's an easy route to frustration, but I've been playing it in a very kind of casual, just as it comes kind of way, just doing missions and and, and doing stuff as it pops up. And, you know, when people, when NPCs approach me with missions, as I'm just going about my business, I've been accepting them and, and, um, and sort of role-playing a bit. A bit. And, um, and it's been really fun, super, super fun. So made about 20 million or so. So uh, there we go, dear listeners. Don't buy Elite Dangerous. Download the free version of the 1984 version. <laughs> well, the, the players I know who, who, who are generally the, the most sustainably happy, the, the sort of Alec Turners and Wotherspoons of this world, that's the way they play. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't focus on building a giant empire or, or knocking Hudson down or, um, or trying to turn it into EVE Online. They just, they just muck around in a spaceship they don't worry about grinding and building up a giant fleet they just sort of you know Wotherspoon goes off and spends 10 hours looking at a planet and going it's so pretty yep sounds a pretty good way to if that flexi switches it sounds a pretty good way to enjoy it yeah i mean it works at home hmm. um so yeah That's, i've been doing um quite a lot of varied stuff and it's been very fun and that makes Wotherspoon sound like the galactic equivalent of a train spotter just looking at planets and going, oh, that's pretty. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that's Have you listened to the most recent episodes of Beyond Dockers? Just saying. Um, hmm. <laughs> well, moving on from there. <laughs> Grant, how have you been for the last week or so? Ah, I've been good. Um, behaving myself, not getting up to too much mischief. Um... Playing um, quite a hell, well, a good chunk of elite actually. To be honest, I've been I've been out and about doing my bits and pieces, and as Sue says, um, running missions is a lot of fun, and the variance in missions can be frustrating when you can't get the choice of uh, what you're you know you're kitted out for. Um, but it's led to me getting involved in a civil war, um, and that was <laughs> where I learned that your even a rated your a rated anaconda with decent balancing and your powering and all this kind of stuff is no use in even the lowest of the low combat zones. It is very difficult to make any impact without some engineering. So. Off I went with however really? many years worth of bits and pieces. Yeah, because they're all either engineered, and if they start picking on you, you are screwed. I mean, you can make a small amount, but it's nowhere near as comfortable when you've got the smallest amount of engineering on your ship. The smallest amount of engineering, and it's night and day. Um, it has yeah, a significant... Yeah, especially shields. Yeah, 
because that's the problem, you know, your shields go down, I had a, I had a strong hull, it was all fine, I could, I could take out maybe two or three ships, and I'm not particularly good at combat, so I know that that's a factor, but two or three ships, and I'm struggling, and then after going and doing um, level three in my shields, not quite fully, I ran out of materials, um, and uh, updating my thrusters, which makes the anaconda dance like a cobra, um, and things like that, uh, and then I go back, and I can win the low conflict zone, with very, you know, minimal um, struggling um, and you're actually able to take ships out and it just, yeah, so it makes a significant difference. So I've come to appreciate the importance of engineering, which is a shame because now I feel like it's being forced on me. If you want to be able to do these things, you need to embrace the engineering, but equally... Um, it does have such a significant impact on it. So next will be, once I'm finished um, with this particular system, I'll be moving on to trying to get some more engineering done and seeing what I can do um, with these ships because the, the thruster difference on the Anaconda was unbelievable. I could barely keep a ship in my sights and then I get the thrusters engineered up and wow, <laughs> I keep flipping. Not only can I keep them in my sights, I can give them a real hard time. So I've, I've been really enjoying that. Uh, again, I always enjoy interacting with the BGS and uh, working in a system. I'm currently now with a, an outbreak, so I'm running a series of outbreak smuggling missions. Again, engaging in the mission system. And I've got all my ships at the new station that I've managed to win through the Civil War. Um, and so I'm just carrying on uh, running missions to get the percentages up, trying not to interact with the top faction, but I'm just trying to return a player faction that I had my first interactions in this game with when they tried to rob me, even though I was allied with them. D-bastards. And um, make sure that they have a secure future as one of the, you know, one of those original factions from the game, uh, and they deserve to be... A significant force in that system. So that's like, what I've been wasn't that faction supposed to be a pirate faction as well? Yes, they are. Ah, right. Fair enough. Remember, no honor amongst thieves. Well, yeah, but there's a there's a there's a blatant stupidity when you've got two police ships, and I'm tackling them, and then four pirates drop in in a wing and decide to rob me. It's just not. It's just not fair. They could have helped. That's all I'm saying. Is they could have helped. We were green. We were all green. The last thing you expect in a fight like that is for the green guys to go, "Hey, what's that you've got in your hold?" No, don't rob me. <laughs> Help me with the bloody cops, you buggers. Um, but yeah, that's so. I've actually, you know, reconnected with it again, um, flying around in different ships. So I am in my Type Nine just now because I'm running cargo missions, and frankly. I've got my engineered shields on it, which really has made such a difference. You get interdicted and you go, oh well, whatever, what are you going to do? And while they're going pew, 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 in the outer rings, just going flashy wee bits red, flashy wee bit red, you just jump back out and away you go on, you turn it again. That's if you don't beat them. Um, although I haven't done the thrusters and this shit, that's something to be done. But yeah, I'm enjoying it again. It's It's been a lot of fun. Mm. I must admit, um, uh, when I put class 5 dirty drives onto my imperial um not cutter the uh yeah my imperial cutter wow that that moved yes but crucially only in one direction uh, no it it moved 
Uh, well, hang on, cutter or clipper? Can't remember. Cutter. Cutter famously doesn't doesn't turn. Then that it case is very cutter. fast. Um, but but as long as you're only as long as you're happy to go in precisely one direction. In that case, it's my clipper because I don't yeah. have the I don't have the cutter. I haven't I haven't um, but kissed my way up the imperial gravy chain to get <laughs> to get it yet. But um, yeah. So let's see. I mean, I've been um, I've been doing a little bit of power play. I've had to um, we've had a bit of a crunch on at work at the moment, so I haven't been able to do as much as I'd like to. Um, so a little bit of power play. I've, I've dropped down to rank two for for good old Orissa, but uh, we're still doing well. We're number one now, apparently. So hey. the, the power play the power play thing's still happening, and it's still fun. Um, believe it or not, uh, but. Um, uh, I've, I'm also in Shinrata Tetra with my main account, um, helping the Dark Peel again, running missions for that. And I must admit, I'm thoroughly enjoying them because I'm doing missions which I haven't done before. Normally, I've done the same kind of thing uh, over and over again, you know, bounty hunting or deliveries or, or things like that. But now I've taken on missions which has been a case of you've got to assault bases and you've got to... Um, you know, you've got to assault a base to steal the data to find out where the pirate is now hanging out. Oh wow! And, and that's that's actually quite interesting. And then on on and other things, you're disabling the mega ship. That is that is fun. I've never done and, that. Though. Yeah, and I'm beginning to find that there's there's a whole load of of missions that I haven't tried out yet, and I just. I'm just I'm there going. Why did I try out these earlier? And then I realised the reason I don't try them out earlier is because I'm scared of breaking the law. Are you <laughs> talking get, about getting scan fine. the base? You about scan the base ones and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. The, well, you, as soon as you scan the base, the base goes hostile, <laughs> and, and the base goes. Uh, but oh, you mean scan the base? Yeah, if you shoot a skimmer, you get yeah. a bounty, don't you? Yeah, as soon as you know. And unless you you turn up at a base and you see the ba- the skimmers are wanted at the base, then you know you end up you're going to end up with fines. <laughs> but that always uh, seems a bit me. You know, you get a bounty that ends ends up blowing up your ship. I don't know, shooting, breaking someone's Roomba. You know, it's a bit extreme. I thought. <laughs> um, yeah, one so- thing I'd quite like to try is um, I know I know exactly what Colin means. You tend to you tend to do. Uh, you tend to do missions that won't that won't cause you problems uh, in terms of law breaking and having bounties and stuff. Um, one thing I'm quite keen to do and I haven't got around to doing yet is um, finding a. Uh, so my commander is uh, is is Imperial aligned, um, mm-hmm. and I quite like to find a station that's controlled by a um, by a criminal faction in federation space and moving to it for a while and then boosting them just doing criminal missions for them um because if i look through that whenever i look through the like if whenever i look on the um a criminal factions mission mission board this they look super fun it's all smuggling and this and and, and, it's, and it's like criminal flavors of existing stuff but it mm. just looks a lot more it, you know it looks it looks quite fun to engage with that stuff but i don't want to do it in my home system of malaysia because obviously i don't want to cause myself legal problems at home and um and sort of uh but you know being being an empire commander it would it would actually make a lot of sense to to go and cause trouble in the in federation space so i'd, I'd quite like to go and and sort of have a have, have a um what do they call it um 
uh, I can't remember what they call it, a sequester. Um, you know, spending a season spent somewhere else um, and just just secondment. Secondment, yeah. I'd, I'd like to have a secondment as a as a as a criminal in Federation space and just cause a bit of havoc around there and 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 do really fun criminal missions without worrying too much about the bounty I crew and all that sort of thing. Well, I thought there used to be uh, a system in Elite where you would get federal bounties or imperial bounties if you worked against the Federation. Then eventually you ended up with a a, a a federal bounty put against you. That that is still the case. You do. You, oh, it you is do, good. You do, yeah, you, you have bounties not just with superpowers, but also with um, with minor factions. Look, well. yeah, yeah, local factions, yeah. And um, but you know, if but if my if I don't normally go to Federation space, that shouldn't mm -hmm. that, that shouldn't be a problem. You no, know, no, if I go, you should be fine, shouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. If I go and like, I quite like the idea of of being a persona non grata in um in federation space because it will add a sense of geography to the game like if whenever i go to federation space i think like oh you know i need to be careful here because i've because you know these guys don't like me and and um and that you know i've got loads of bounties and stuff that will add a, an element of an extra element of danger and an extra an extra sort of sense of place in in the galaxy rather than just being on friendly terms with everybody if that makes sense yeah i got exactly the same feeling in when i when i've do power play because basically at the moment my power play commander has over two hundred thousand credits worth of bounties against them. Wow! Uh, not not just from one faction, that's from from a lot of powers, and I just can't be asked paying them off. Uh, and but one of the fun things about this it means that I get bounty hunters coming after me, and <laughs> normally they're wanted, and normally I'm able to take them down. So um, <laughs> yeah. It, it makes it it gives me that little bit more of an edge feeling, even though, well, I'm I'm still playing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm still playing it open only, and yeah, that can certainly have its um, uh, butt pucker moments, if you see what I mean. But uh, yeah, it it just adds that little bit more dangerous to elite dangerous that I feel it needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, power play might be the answer. Actually, I've been I've been meaning to do the Arisa thing for. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm convincing people to do to to do power play. I mean, well, I it sounds like you're really do. enjoying it. it. Sounds like having a great. Yeah, time. I know, but then people then play it wrong, and 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 then I'll yes, complain who, who, that I'm wrong. Who, who makes you the referee of power play, Colin? <laughs> so, oh, they're playing it wrong. So, what is playing it wrong in your eyes? And playing it wrong in my eyes. Well, this this is. Oh. I mean, this is quite clearly defined. Like, th there is such a thing as doing power play wrong, and it, and right, it is yeah. fortifying and preparing the wrong things that actively harm your power. Yeah, if you don't fifth column, you don't fifth column because basically that does break the game, and and there's so much fifth columning. Well, we've actually the the Arisa power has actually got together and worked out a strategy to deal with fifth columning and it, it does seem to be working at the moment because we haven't had any bad expansions happen for quite a while but um it is just so easy um to start an expansion in a system that will cripple your power um if if you wanted to to sabotage that power that it's uh, is the system that you guys have worked out? Is it is it enough to is it enough to see off a concerted effort by a, a like no. an organised group? No, okay. no, but it is enough to put off the casual, you know, the, the casual fifth columnists. Yeah, the the, mis but, the misplaced activity from amateurs and, and the well, the mortal, mortal there's not that mis 
placed activity from amateurs, to be honest. But, you know, there are people that will work against you yeah, because, yeah. you know, they're either that or they're just grinding for um, they're just grinding for the modules. And, yeah. and that's that actually does more damage than good. Yeah. And also it gives power play a bad reputation because people just grind, grind for the modules and lone wolf it and don't get involved and and you know just gives you the just gives them the wrong impression of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean the way I the way I play it is open only uh, and uh, basically follow the instructions from the leaders and also keep an eye out on the on the channels for um, some PvP action because normally what happens is you'll have other players come into uh, into our systems and basically try and and upset the upset either players or no upsets the wrong word because we've all signed up for it but they, you know they're trying to disrupt our operations mm -hmm. so basically we with this when one of the one of the calls goes out on the uh, the discord with there's a mad rush to that system to try and track down uh, the nerd duels, and if uh, if they if they do play well, and uh, you know, there's a a big fight in open. I think everybody wins. Mm, but, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds super. Yeah, but the point normally happens is we get there, and then everybody jumps into private or solo, and uh, oh, that's annoying. It does. I mean, it's not a full combat log, but it's it's just one of those moments where you just go, oh, come on. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm working on top uh, a top shift for another part of PowerPlay at the moment, which will hopefully be out at some point this week. Mm. Uh, and uh, there's another two top shifts planned on PowerPlay, uh, and then I'll, I'll probably stand back from it for a bit. But anyway, that's I, I kind of diverted myself a little there. Uh, I do apologise for rambling on. Um, anyway. Uh, so we've had a little bit of development news over the last week. Um, first of all, this patch has been um, has caused a lot of problems with the tritium required for carriers. So um, uh, late last week, uh, Frontier issued everybody with free tritium for all your carriers. I think they filled up every single carrier in the game. And you know what amazed me about that? Go on. The amount of salt it got from why the fuck did I even bother going off on mining when mining was absolute shit for tritium? Feels like I've just wasted my time. Ugh. Like, seriously? Yeah. Well, they, they were hoping to actually release a patch tomorrow with uh, fixes for the tritium issue. Uh, and for the low temperature diamonds issue that the that came with the last patch, uh, but they've found an issue with it, and that patch will now be delayed to the third of August, according to Twitter. Mm. So um, yeah, I'm afraid it's a, we. Does that mean we'll get another free tritium uh, refill soon? Well, to be honest, I hope so because you know it's that difficult to mine it out now. It's. Uh, arguably be better to roll arguably better to roll back to the version before the disruptive patch and just uh, i mean presumably actually i'm talking about my ass if, if that was the easiest thing presumably they would have done it but as a, as a layman it seems it it seems like the, the easiest thing to do would be to roll back <laughs> you've to got to remember it's total only for that's one issue versus all the other things they've done and rolling backwards especially with live data can be very very hard yeah okay mm. 
yeah, unfortunately, it's this. It's not the easiest of options, even though it sounds easy. Again, talking from bitter, bitter experience. <laughs> Just deduct a million credits for every turn someone's mind and problem solved. <laughs> this is the Shan tax, everybody. You thought the pull tax was bad, but the Shan tax really. In fact, I, I, why did I say pull tax? Because a lot of a lot of people are too young to remember the poll tax now. Oh, I dear. remember when Maggie went off and fucked Scotland. We are the bitch, and I don't care that she's dead. I think that's. Enough. I get told off on this show for politics, and you lot have brought out way more than I have this week. <laughs> All I said yeah. we was wrong. Shan tax. <laughs> then forgot that I'm that old. I remember the poll tax. For goodness' sake. <laughs> anyway, I, I should I should have realised it a trigger trigger Ben. I do apologise. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, um, yes. Right. Well, unfortunately, we don't really have any in-game events to to report on. Now that Operation IDA or Operation IDA is is finished, and um, we've got no stations to repair. So. Um, no to kill. Uh, well, the Thargoids are still down in the Pleiades, if, oh, yeah. if you still want to but They're not, they're not with attacking them. stations and things. They're not, you know, they're just, they're hanging out and we're coming along and killing their babies. Um, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. You do have, you've got the, um, the homegrown community goal. That's oh. Off, where you kill, killing Thargoid hearts. Yeah, I mean that that's still got another a uh, couple of weeks to run. So um, the uh, <laughs> I think I can't remember how many thousands they're up to of Thargoid Hearts. I know that the last week they were over halfway. So we'll we'll just have to wait and see how they've done. Um, there has been a store alert from Frontier uh, this week. We have some store dashing alert. store <laughs> alert. Yeah. We have some dashing oh, cobra shot. skins. Some dashing and, cobra skins. Yeah, dashing cobra skin, skins and the Imperial Cutter Dazzler paint job, which, yeah, okay. Uh, not to my taste, I think, but uh, still, always, always nice to admire a, a paint job or two. So, Colin, do you know why it's called a Dazzle paint job? I'm, I'm scared to ask, but no, I don't. Um, in World War One and previously before World War One, there was a theory that if you broke up the pattern of a ship um, by diagonal lines of different colours, then it would make the ship harder to see. And it's failed pretty spectacularly, but that's why if you look at pictures of some World War One aircraft oh. and auto ships... Mm -hmm. They have these diagonal, very bright, very vivid patterns and colours. It's because they were trying to um, become extra camouflage. Is that is that proven to not work then? Yes. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I was under the impression that it did. But obviously, since the modern Royal Navy is basically still all grey. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> There's a there's a couple of ships on the Thames that have um, or there used to be uh, that have that dazzle uh, paint and um, yeah it, it looks it looks like a uh, it looks more like an album cover than a than than military camouflage it's interesting 
<laughs> yes, anyway, that's why the airplanes and stuff all brightly coloured and decorated in that way, as well as the ships, because it was supposedly better camouflage to have your ship painted black and white like a zebra than it was to have it painted grey for the colour of the sky. Excellent. Well, uh, I never knew that, and... Uh... <laughs> I'm trying to put a bit of history and culture and education into the show tonight. I mean, that is what people tune in for, isn't it? Totally, yeah. Mm, okay. Right, well, um, <laughs> as, we've, as we've got nothing else to really talk about so far, um, I think we'll have to take a break. Um, we're going to have to come back with a, a discussion where, with about ships and things. Ships and things. Hey, buddy. Why the long face? Exploring is boring. What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store. And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to... Whoa. Sounds like you've got a case of space madness. What you really need is really big gas tank. What? With a really big gas tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort. No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. Want to be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbonium 5000, you can honk and go, go, go! Gee, thanks, mister! No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbonium 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, priapism, and spontaneous targoing face. He's only a drug. Attention, attention. Lave station in Fort Marshall. We interrupt your broadcast to bring you essential system information regarding the planet Lave. Lave Radio began broadcasting from Lave Station in early 3299. Originally, it was to be based in Ashuria and run by commercial entrepreneur Chris Gavin, but difficulties with transmission across the planet and system meant it was relocated to Lave Station. The Lave Radio team are Lave Station Commander Alan Stroud, Chief of Operations, John Stapler, Station Entertainment's Manager Chris Jarvis, and Second Technician Vending Machines Chris Forster. Ships up things. Welcome back. Right. Well, we did have a an email which we thought we would use as our main discussion for this point this week. So we, we have to say thank you to Commander uh, Noiseboy, uh, who sent us this, this nice email, if someone's finished rattling about. <laughs> Hello, he says. I've been playing Elite for six months now. He loves the game, but after three months, he's starting to get bored of it. And then he started flying Flight Assist off and fell in love with the game all over again, having being reminded that Elite is, first and foremost, a piloting game. That said, I would like to hear your guys talk more about ships you have and what you like about piloting them. Love the show. And normally in Britain, when you say love the show, you've got to add Steve on at the end for some reason. I was just thinking a little bit, um, what's the word, 
mischievously that loves the show sat up there sounds like he I have to I have to say something nice. I have to say something nice. So put it on the end. So <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Uh, every time you you write into um, uh, Mayo and Kermode's uh, 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 film sh- film podcast, you've got to put "love the show" at the end. Love the show, Steve. To to be sarcastic about how good the show is. <laughs> <laughs> they know it. It's a joke. It's one of these in jokes that you've got. But if we say "love the game," Steve, and they he might take offence and not invite us to anything. It would be Stephen, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, you had to slip Stephen in somewhere, didn't you? I'm not even going to go to that one. Colin. Un- quite an un- unnecessary mental image. And of course, that's actually, yes, thinking back of what I just said, I do apologise. <laughs> uh, spaceships. Yes, spaceships. Okay, so um, Elite is, is well known for its wedge-shaped spaceships. Um, let's go around everybody in the crew. First of all, let me know what your favourite ship is. Full stop. Can I, can I suggest? I, I want to suggest a bit of structure for this conversation, okay. and, and feel free to shoot me down. But rather than just talking about ships generally, it would be quite fun to to do them in categories. So, for example, say we could have like right, let's talk mining, um, and then something else, and then something else. And then, um, and then each each person says what they use and why and what they like about it, and then and then finish up with your general favourite. You know what? That is an excellent suggestion. Uh, so what I'll do is, well, I'll, I'll, off the top of my head, we'll split it into five categories. We've got uh, trading, combat, mining, exploration, and then your big overall one at the end. So. Um, yes, let's start with purpose. general purpose, yeah, or, or, or just your favourite. So, uh, starting off with trading, um, let's let's start with Ben. What is your optimum trading ship? Optimum trading ship? Yeah, the, the, the trading ship that you think, you know, works best. Oh, if it's, okay, trading ship works best would obviously go for the cutter. Hmm. Um, you know, it's got the style, it's got the speed, it's got the cargo space. It's armed reasonably as well, and it's got the weapons. You can obviously you can strip you can strip things out and make it pure cargo, and you can carry in insane amount of of stuff. Um, mines more general purpose, and I think even still, I've got over five hundred or six hundred tons of stuff. You know, you can basically you can solo wing, you can solo wing cargo hauling missions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, as I've I've I love that mine's much, I've got much more general purpose trader, well uh, cutter, uh, which I obviously I've used. I've got it running relatively cold, and it's you know I smuggle into that thing and so on as well. Um, so yeah, you know, I'll go off and take illegal goods around the place and slide them in without under the authorities' noses. Well, you can you can smuggle in a cutter. I, I didn't. Yeah, I thought yeah. you always get scanned in one of those. I, I never get scanned. I imagine you probably get scanned in a cutter more than you get scanned in a Type Nine because I, I'd be amazed if the uh, the the hidden uh, 
conspicuousness stat wasn't higher for the cutter than the Type 9. Yeah, but most Type 9s are scruffy, aren't they? Mm. And remember and, and that dodgy, yeah, you've got that I look dodgy look factor thing that uh, stations pay attention to. So when you when you rock up in a Lavecon skin, they're like, yeah, he, he's not up to anything dodgy, is he? Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's like it's kind of like when you compare the Millennium Falcon under uh, Lando Calrissian. As opposed to the, Len- the Millennium Falcon under Han Solo, yeah. you look at you look at Lando Calrissian's Millennium Falcon. You would think, nah, that would be fine. It's it's streamlined. It's nice. It's got a cupboard for capes. Then <laughs> 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 the Millennium Falcon under Han Solo and Chewbacca falling to bits. What a hunk of junk! Yeah, exactly. So, Shan, what's your thoughts on your on the best cargo tr- carrier or trader? It depends on what I'm carrying. Um, probably Atmospheric the, processors. Well, I have several tra- trade ships, but the one I've used the most is the Cutter, which I've called License to Print. Um, so probably mine would be the Cutter, because it's, it's, it's fast. You can get yourself out of trouble with it. You can fit quite small prismatic shields to it and still have a decent shield, so you can carry more cargo with it. And it's got a better jump range than the Type 9, which is important because time is money. And although the Type 9 will carry more, the cutter will get you there and back again in time for another round quicker than a Type 9. Right. Okay. That, that's two for the cutter so far. Um, Suv? I, uh, so my trader is, um, is a type nine. So I, I actually only, um, I only had about three ships until, um, until 2018. Uh, when I first started playing, I just, I just, um, uh, got up to, I think, I think a courier. And then I, I basically sold all my ships. Um, and then I came back to the game in late 2017 and just flew the sidewinder for about six months. And then, um, and then I flew the courier and the sidewinder and the crate mark two for about, a year and i didn't actually end up building up any specialized ships till late 2018 um but the and that's when i got the trader and it's a type 9 uh, it's called gormenghast uh, which is one of my favorite fantasy novels um and uh it is it has three uh mine launchers on it mediums and uh, which are completely effing useless by the way for uh, for defense um pve defense anyway and that they are extremely useful in pvp if you can uh, if you can use them offensively, but they are completely bloody useless um, defensively. Um, and um, but I've got them on there because they're quite fun. Uh, and two pulse lasers with uh, scramble spectrum on them. So if I can miraculously take out the shields of something chasing me, um, then uh, the pulse lasers will cause random uh, module malfunctions in the attacking ship, which is great fun. Um, it's got a cargo hold of about seven hundred and twenty, I think. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I, I play exclusively in VR, and, and Type Nine in VR is probably my favourite ship in VR. Um, it, it, you're in a you, the, the bridge is the same size as a warehouse, and down to either side <laughs> of you, you have um, you have your co-pilot's chairs. Um, and um, sometimes a friend uh, a friend likes to I, I don't know how he's done it, but he's got this he's got some kind of program set up where he can he's got he plays in VR as well, and he he's got a, a window in VR that he can move around. 
So he can, he, can, he can play Elite, but he can have another window set up in virtual reality that has his desktop in it. So what we'll, what we'll, we'll sometimes do is I'll be trading or something in my Type 9, and he'll be in one of my co-pilot's chairs in multi-crew, but, yeah. and he'll just be sat there working away on his like, coding or something on his desktop, but within Elite Dangerous. I don't know if I've explained that very well, um, but it's, um, it's quite fun. Um, and... Um, uh, and I, uh, I exclusively fly that. Uh, it does have a um, uh, the Gorman Gus does have a, a flight assist computer on it, a, a docking assist. Sorry, but I don't tend to use it. I tend to have it turned off, and I generally fly it flight assist off only um, because as um, is it Newsboy? Is yeah, Newsboy. Uh, noise boy. Noise boy. As uh, as noise boy uh, says, flying flight assist off is is breathes an entirely new life into the game, and um, I love trading in exclusively flight assist off with the type nine because it's just brilliant fun trying to trying to slot that giant thing through the letterbox is is um is really fun um and um uh, and it's a bit of a force multiplier as well uh you can i can i can take with a with a cargo holder 720 i can comfortably do uh wing trading missions that pay like you know 20 million or so i can comfortably do them myself in half an hour an hour um, you know, five five thousand tons of something mm-hmm. is only is only six or seven trips in a in a ship that big. Um, so it's quite a good earner as well. Excellent. Cow, I have a sneaky suspicion. I know that though what yours is going to be. Well, you'd be wrong because it's a very specific question. Okay, off you go then. What's type, your What's your ideal trader? Type six. It is the one that has the most return for your input, so it's the most economical, I reckon, to run because you get a far better jump drive on it. Um, so you can actually, you know, get um, a, a lot further away with your hundred tons, and um, it's mm-hmm. as strong as fucking ox. It is a brilliant little manoeuvrable beaut of a ship, and um, yeah, I, I cannot recall how disappointed I was when I moved from the Type 6 into a Type 7 and experienced oh. the pain, <laughs> which was only relieved by the sheer delight of the Type 9, which is um, definitely um, in my estimate. But as far for trading, I don't think I... I mean, I'm running missions in a Type 9 now, but I don't think it's ever been as much fun as it was in the Type 6. That was a, a cracker of a wee... Brick. It literally was a, fr- a flying brick. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Almost, most of it. I I do have a soft spot for the keelback myself, but that's not what you would consider a a a trader, in my opinion. But uh, I mean, no. go on. Uh, no, I, was gonna say, I I quite I remember quite liking the Type Six because early on. Um, before I got Python and stuff like that, I had an ASP, mm-hmm. which is my general purpose ship. And then I had a Type 6 for my cargo transporting. And yeah. I remember liking the Type 6 because it had a cracking jump range on it. And yeah, I quite like the Type 6, actually. The Type 7, I hated it. It was, it was like some sort yes. of old-fashioned, broken-down Eddie Stobart lorry. And it was just horrible. Yeah, I must say make a reasonable the... smuggler? Um, no, I didn't think the Type 6 could smuggle anything. 
If you're going to smuggle small things, I always, always found the Cobra to be better. But well, yeah. I mean, you know, the Type Six has got. I mean, I, I can't imagine what an engineered Type Six. I don't even know if anyone's ever bothered to do that. Um, but if you were to engineer the thrusters in a Type Six, I think it could be one of the most agile bricks you'll ever experience in this game. <laughs> you know, that that way that you know, and again, it is it is that it is that one ship that you get to, and suddenly you start to see under the uh, original trading stuff when we were doing you know trading the sort of hard way um, mm-hmm. you used to find that that was the ship where you started to feel like you were making money and you started to feel the profit was worth it and you, what you'd, you'd put into the ship kind of was coming back to you on each trip tenfold in some cases if you got the right hot, um, hot uh, trade route but you, you know, you never felt like uh, with the Type Seven, you felt like you'd invested heavily, and it was taking forever to make money back for you. It just, it just yeah. really felt like it was so expensive to upgrade, and it was that at that time. It, I don't know we're talking like forum dads again, but at that time, mm. you needed the Type Seven to get the cargo quantities to be able to get the money together quick enough for yeah, the Type Nine. Yeah. But that was the hardest time in my trading experience in the game. Even now, you know, well, trade's nothing really, is it? It's missions, it's not trade. Um, trade mm. trade does well, not get I, you any benefits at all. I think I, I think with me, I, I flew the Type 7 for about five days. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of systems, actually, that were bugged, which you could buy an Imperial Clipper. Uh, without the Empire rank. So no, there, was, to... there was an offer. They, no, they, made, they took the away the Oh, it was before this the offer. Was, this was before the offer, because the offer was when um, Grandpa Duval died, wasn't it? Yes. And yeah. they, um, but this was before that. You a couple of systems where you could buy a Clipper without the Empire rank. So I brought a Clipper... And that was then my trading general purpose ship until I got a Python. And it shows how long ago it was because that was when the Python was still the mighty god ship before the Yeah. Okay, Ben? They come out in defense of the Type 7 here. Uh, I remember remember flocking over from the Type 6 to the Type 7. And you're right, the Type 6 is a great explorer ship. You know, it has got such a crazy jump range, it's ridiculous. Um, but I think the Type 7 has actually... When I got into the Type 7 for the first time, and I looked up, and I was like, like the, the roof of the cockpit is miles away, and I'd love to see the Type 7 in VR, because the cockpit feels absolutely humongous. Even compared to the Type 9's cockpits, because the, the Type 7's is all just on the one level, but it's just so damn big. Um, I mean, obviously I've heard it has... it's very good for um, station evacuation. I've heard it's arguably the best for that. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know about the best. I'm just I'm purely talking about um, the just the feel of it when I when I got into it. Um, I don't remember flying it. I have to. I really. I have to admit, I can't remember what I felt. I mean, it was, it was a long time ago, and I did. I remember. I basically I used it to get into a Type Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I, I, I remember just adoring its cockpit because it's so bloody big. And it just looked, it just looked so nice. So, and I don't remember thinking its range was horrible or its um, amount you could haul was horrible or anything like that. It was just... I remember thinking the Type 6 was a great, rare goods ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Well, I'll just point out that for... Uh, Mac Winston has, has said that he's had a lot of intense game experiences in the Type 7, um, managed to escape a lot of gankers in that flying brick. Uh, ironically, and this is true, the Type 7 has the best yaw rate in the game. And <laughs> this is this is the worst. My experience with the Type 7 was that bad, I almost quit elite over it. <laughs> what happened? Basically, it, it just took... You, you know... This was before um, other ships took took its place and things like that, because it was a case of you went from the T6, T7, and then up to either the Python or the T9. And I just felt I was stuck forever in this T7 doing the same uh, round, the round run that I was doing, making you're, decent you're money. And then but... something. It was just no. I didn't do Imperial Slaves. That was my problem because basically, um, I was doing uh, I don't know Palladium or something, and mm. it it just wasn't bringing in the money fast enough to move up to the next level. And I think the T seven is probably responsible for a lot of um, Alpha backers and, and Beta backers quitting the game because they got to that point. They hit that T7 grind and just went, ah, oh, can't be bothered. Done. Mm. But thankfully, yeah. I did, I did now you can just go mining for five minutes and, you know, you, well, you don't have, have to worry about it. Possibly that's the, the, the negative uh, connotation that gets assigned to the Type 7 and maybe it is one that requires to be driven and, and flown under non-grindy circumstances because we all, you know, it was that one that, that just took forever to get out yep. of. Um, I mean, I've, I think I ran Palladium one way uh, back to Jordan's Orbitals. Um, I cannot remember where we took it to, but it was an, an Imperial system and you'd take Imperial Slaves. So you would do the two... And I just remember there was like five, six of us that we ran that thing, that route... Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, yeah, it, and then suddenly did, you got it your tight literally name. months. It literally took months because this was a lot earlier on in the game. Apologies for being forum dads again, but the Type Seven that just to get to the Python or the T Nine just took too long, and I think that is a lot of where a lot of people it got the real feeling for the grind, you know, that it got its real grind reputation. But, yeah. So, I mean, does everybody agree with this kind of progression then? We, we, you know, as far as the trading route goes, you, you end up going up to the small ships, say up to the Cobra, then it's T6, T7, T9, Condor and Cutter. No. No, well, it, okay. it wasn't. It wasn't the progression I had. It's it's, it's the progression that you have if if you if you're if you're majoring on trade. Mm -hmm. I, my best mate is a no. um, is a combat pilot, and his progression was his progression was sidewinder, eagle, viper, 
uh, Vulture, and then onto the the chunky medium fighters, and he never looked back after that. So he 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 didn't buy any of the ones you just mentioned. So in yeah, this list, we're talking are we trade. Yeah, are we excluding multi purple ships? Because yeah, we are really. But I do more. know that the Python... I also dispute it's a progression, but anyway. Oh, shut up! Oh, just <laughs> no. Are you telling anyway. me that for, for hauling cargo, a T7 is better than a T9? Or a cutter is better than a T7? Which it's is... all in your head, Colin. It's it's not about it's not about the size of the ship. It's the progression about... could be type nine to type six if it's if it's all about the experience. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on from um from trade. Uh we'll go to combat next, because that, that does seem to be the most exciting. Um now I I know what my favorite ship for combat is. Uh but let's start again with Ben. Do you have a favourite combat? Or one that you will always fly in combat? Yes, um, but it's not the optimal one. And I lo- I'm loving the crate in combat. Yeah, to be fair, it's, it's more interesting to talk about our favourites rather than, like, people can go on the forums or look at YouTube videos for optimal builds. Like, I, th- I think what the point of this is, is, you know, what ships do we love? What do we really love flying and why? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel so inadequate sometimes when I'm you know, if I'm doing wing missions or war zones and things like that and like my wingmates are all rocking up in federal, federal corvettes and things mm-hmm. and they're like spewing out several thousand DPS, you know, ships just glance at them and they die and I show up in a crate and I'm just like going dagger, 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 but I'm having yeah. a whale of a time and they're sitting there going I need another drink now Yes, and that, that is something which does, um, which I found uh, as well. Basically, there is a point where you lose the dog fighting, and you just feel like you're a gunboat. If you see what I mean. Mm. Yeah, great point. Yeah. Um, okay, Shan, um, do you have a a favourite combat ship? Um, for pure. Face palming, no, you know, no effort combat. Mm-hmm. A fully engineered Corvette just allows you to face roll everything. The ship I would, and I have done actually, I'm guilty pleasure, but the ship I enjoy flying in combat quite a lot is actually the Third Lance mm-hmm. because, in my mind, it is the closest thing to Airwolf in game. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagle's pretty similar. No, oh, no, 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 well, no, no. But, it, but I don't know. I don't know. Sue will give an eye roll at it, but it depends on what you're looking for. Because if you want the face roll stuff, then the the Corvette, the Araconda, mm-hmm. and even to some extent the Third Lance is that easy. If you want something that really gets your pulse going, try and take out an Araconda in an Eagle. Or, or Actually, that, that that's, sort of thing. that's one thing that. Um, well, I'm sorry to interrupt anybody here, but I think one of the fun, funnest things that I've ever seen happen in power play is I have seen four stealth eagles, a wing of four stealth eagles, take down a fully engineered um, anaconda. I, it, it is amazing to see 
Because basically, well, they've all got pla- first of all, they've all got black paint jobs. Secondly, they go stealth, and then it's zapping away with the with the real guns, and uh, the the anaconda's got no response to it unless it's got a fighter that can that can uh, that can go after them. It mm, is yeah. a phenomenal thing to see. Yeah, because some of the most fun combat I've had in game, and it's still several years after the event, was there was a group of us. We loaded our sidewinders, placed bog standard sidewinders, but we put rail guns on them. Mm. And we went to a community goal where mm. players were attacking other players trying to do the community goal. And we didn't give us stuff because, you know, they were so cheap to replace. You know, who cares if it costs you 6,000 credits, you mean? And we just spent a whole evening harassing pirates <laughs> with these with these with these sidewinders. And in some parts, some cars he sort of ganged up on a on a clipper and blew it up, which got a very salty response from us, but we thought it was hilarious. So that sort of I mean you'd never choose a sidewinder railguns for any meaningful combat. <laughs> but the sheer muscle it was brilliant. Souverine. Uh, I had a I had a sidewinder for um, so I, I I quit the game for most of a year uh, in the end of 2016 and I came back at the end of 2017 and uh, you know when you come back to a game after you've been away for quite a long time you, you sort of forget where you mm. were and what everything's for I had I had a few ships and I didn't really know what any of them were for and I couldn't remember what I was supposed to be doing with them so I sold them all except for my sidewinder and um, and I just flew the sidewinder and I put. Um, and I put uh, rail guns on it. The, the reason I mentioned this is because Shem was talking about rails on his side. I flew, I, I flew nothing but a sidewinder with rail guns on it for six months. That's all I flew for six months. Um, you must have been a shot. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good with fixed weapons now. Yeah, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a very good combat pilot before that, but I'm, I'm reasonably, um, reasonably respectable with fixed weapons now. Um, and um, and it was yeah, it was super super fun. Um, but um, but no combat ships. So my most, uh, the ship that I have that is a sort of, um, it's built for assassinations really, but it's just, it's general, um, it's a general decent combat ship is uh, a, a Mamba with um, a sh- like a shield tank Mamba with a huge heat venting beam laser on the top and two um, gimbaled overcharged um, multi-cannons. Um, and then it's got a couple of small rail guns that have the, um, uh, the shield cell busting effect. Um, and um, and it is fun to fly because the Mamba is a, a lovely, lovely ship to fly. It's really fast and it's really drifty. Um, mm. But it's kind of boring in that all you do is point it at it and pull the trigger, point point it at targets and pull the trigger. The um, the multi cannons track their gimbals, so they track to the the beam laser. Um, yeah. So you don't have to, you don't have to worry about what they're doing. Um, and the beam laser vents all of the heat. So the, the, a really cool thing about it is that if you're fighting something big and you keep a bead on it for you know ten or twenty seconds, you you actually you can get so cold that you your cockpit frosts up, and the Mamba is is famously a really hot ship. So flying, flying, take you know, and the reason it's awesome at assassina- is assassinations is that I can get it, I can get it down to zero heat uh, when I'm firing the beam laser because it's a huge beam laser, so it vents tons of heat. Um, so you're, you know, nobody can see you. Um, so it is so so it's quite fun in that regard, but it's a little bit boring in that um, flying it is is not is not very challenging. Um, but the, the ship that I really love flying in, in anger, um, and uh, and it's actually my general ship. It's my sort of Millennium Falcon type ship. Is my Crate Mark II, which is called mm. the Vortigaunt II, um, 
and it is a um, it's a general it's sort of built for mission running. Um, so it is very general purpose. It's got two SRVs. Um, it's got a, a fighter, um, and it's got sixty four cargo. Uh, and then uh, you know most useful things. It's got about it's got about all the it's got pretty much everything. It's got it's equipped so it can do anything in game except piracy. Basically, it can't it doesn't have hatchbreakers, but it's got basically everything else useful. Um, and um, so it's, so it's it's pretty good at doing anything the game throws at me. So when I when I'm feeling like taking as it as it things as they come, I just fly that. Um, and the reason I love flying it in anger so much is that it's um, the three large hard points on the top are advanced plasma accelerators, the special ones that you get from um, Betrayus, mm-hmm. which which have a much higher rate of fire than um, than regular plasma accelerators. They are um, they're all long range um, engineered, um, which means the shots travel much faster, um, and uh, and they can land shots at seven kilometers. Um, and then the two mediums on either side of the cockpit are um, overcharged multi. No, sorry, um, uh, yeah, overcharged multi cannons um, fixed. Uh, so it's engineered so that the shot speed of the plasma is exactly the same as the shot speed of the of the multi cannons. I think there's about ten meters per second between them, or something like that. Which means that I've only got one reticule, which is awesome. It's super super fun. So all weapons fixed. Um, and flying it becomes a case of I can decide whether to get in up close and personal, take the shields out with a few shots of the plasma, and then snipe modules with the multi-cannons, or I can hang back, sick my fighter onto them, and just lob plasma at, plasma at them at six kilometers away. Um, and it's really, really, really fun, because um, it's really challenging because it, they're all fixed weapons, and they're all... Um, they're not hit scan either, so you've got to take lead type, like your lead into account. Um, but it's uh, and also that all, all the weapons uh, have like great feedback and 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 really really fun effects. Um, and it's just it, it's just easily the most uh, if I if I want to if I want combat that's fun and challenging, that's definitely the ship I fly. It's easily the most fun, or, and not least because it is not. Um, it's only got about twelve hundred points of shield and about eight hundred points of hull. So it's it's really not a tank. I can't take I can't take a huge amount of damage with it, which actually makes it more interesting in the long term. I think. Okay, Shang, you. Yeah, you I was going to ask the question of what what is your view of the ships, chieftain, etc. But how they all the community thought that they dargoid. Uh, oh, I was well, pretty under by them actually, to be honest, but. Yeah, I'm afraid I didn't hear that. You seem to be um, roboting quite a bit badly, I'm afraid. Is that better? Yes. Uh, Okay, I was going to ask what you think about the sea ships, you know, the Challenger, the Chieftain, etc. Because the community... Well, um, who... Uh, I'm afraid we're losing Shan quite a bit at the moment, unfortunately. Um, okay, quickly, what does people think of the of the the sea ships, so to speak, the Alliance fighters? Anybody use them? I loved my chieftain back in the day. Um, I used. To, I know uh, Sue was talking about the Mamba, mm-hmm. um, and I went off and did a fair amount of experimenting between. Sorry, not the Mamba. Um, was it Shan who was talking about the FTL? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Shannon was talking about the FTL, and the FTL and the Vulture came out at the same time. They did. Um, and I did a fair amount of experimenting between the two, and 
I actually preferred the Vulture over the FDL. Um, mm. Yeah, it's about it's about drift rather than pivot, isn't it? The reason I the re I, I like ships that are drifty, um, like the Mamba and the FTL. But things like the Vulture and the Alliance ships are more are more turrets. They they they. I, I think I've never flown one of the Alliance ships actually, apart from the Type Ten. But I, I what I gather about them is that they're more like turrets in space. They pivot on. They're not you know they're not very fast. They're they're incredibly maneuverable. Yes, precisely. Yeah. Uh, and I, I far prefer ships that are maneuverable and. Yeah, turn on a dime and things like that, rather than um, like drag races or something like that. Yeah, uh, was the way I've always. So I've always, for fighters, I've always preferred like the eagle over the vulture. Mm. Um, sorry. Oh yeah, well, the, uh, not the vulture. The eagle over the viper. Sorry. Mm. Mm. Um, I love Good. the vulture. See where you come up from on that. Yeah, um, I love the vulture. Um, but then when the chieftain came out, I. Swaps my vulture into a chieftain, mm -hmm. and I love that chieftain. Um, and when it lands, it looks so—it's just so dodgy, so different. I must admit, uh, it's yeah. like, it looks like a, a sort of a frog when it lands. <laughs> uh, I think it's great. Shitting yeah. dog was the description, wasn't it? Well, it's, that, it's quite. It's about the chieftain. I mean, I really enjoyed the original chieftain. I just found its variance a little bit. Samey. Yeah. The sort of well, no, nowhere near as good. Yeah. Mm. It's. Um, I mean, yeah, I do like the chieftain. Uh, I mean, personally, my favourite for for combat is always going to be the FDL because mm. basically my my FDL is engineered to heck and moves like poop off a shovel and, and turns on a dime. And, uh, yeah. It, I never it, tried engineering an FDL, I have to admit. And I must admit, it is, to me, it, it's too good, even as a dogfighter. Um, the uh, most... the most a really good point here, actually, about, um, about ships being too good. Like, mm. would, you, would you say that combat is less fun in your highly engineered FDL because it's no longer challenging? Well, it depends what you're going up against, because if I'm going up against Thargoids, it's challenging. But the most fun I've had is actually in, in a Cobra with fixed weapons up against Thargoid Scouts. Oh, yeah. Now that, yeah. that to me, feels like back in the old days when you're up against um, in X-Wing and Wi-Fi fighter and things like that. Mm. Uh, and sometimes the fact that you just strip it down and go back to that experience it just reignites the game for me. I mean, I mean, I do like flying around in my um, my clipper, which basically goes through scouts like a hot knife through butter, or a hot knife through people. <laughs> Same thing, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and basically it'll help rack you up the co the uh, that elite rating. But for just sheer city of pants flying, give me that Cobra versus Thargoid scouts anytime. Sean? Yeah, I think, is this better? Am I back? Yes, yes. I think it's back. Okay. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah, what I was going to say is the, the third alarms um, is probably one of the main reasons why I say that um, engineering has broken balance, because the third alarms was balanced around having a smaller power plant. 
as mm-hmm. a vulture. And typically that was one of the traits of a combat ship. They had a small power plant, so you couldn't therefore fit the biggest weapons to it. Yeah. Engineering removed that restriction and oh. made the ships OP in that respect. Or rather, they, they intended that um, if you over-engineer the power plant, the power, uh, the reason for the over-engineered power plant was because you'd over-engineered other, all the other weapons as well, which needed the extra power. The problem was is that people didn't engineer the weapons. They just went, actually, no, this gives me plenty of an advantage as it is, and I don't. Yeah, need I'll to. just I'll just use all plasma or all beams or, or exactly or beams on a vulture or something like that. So there's one thing I would engineer out of the fertile arms, and it's I would make the windows equidistant between each other. <laughs> you don't like the offset, do you? Well, surely I, you I'm just a... engineer your chair to be in the middle, <laughs> like the like the McLaren, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what you need to do. You need to put in a custom, a custom job to say, right? I want the, uh, I want my uh, seat in the middle, but that means I don't get any multi-crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who who multi-crews in a, in a an FDL anyway? Um, actually, being a gunner in an F, FDL is actually quite fun. Huh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, you look like the um, co-pilot in a snow speeder. <laughs> what <laughs> cannon fodder <laughs> it's always it was always the gunners and snow speeders that got shot down first wasn't it well in in, in any war film it was almost every time yeah yeah, yeah. it's always the yeah. sidecar <laughs> the sidecar ah <laughs> uh, dear so um we'll move on to exploration next I think um Ben I've got a sneaking suspicion of which will be the best one here, but uh, do you have a favourite exploration vessel? I don't know if I do, actually. You know, I took, on Distant Worlds 2, mm-hmm. I took my Crate Phantom out, um, and I loved her, and she, you know, she's got a great jump range and things like that. Yeah. Um, on John to Jacks, I took my very, very non-engineered and non-optimized explorer Anaconda. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was hauling a shit ton of cargo to actually go off and build uh, build uh, Jack Station. Right, got you. Um, so you, 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 you in, didn't have a set exploration ship? No, with John to Jacks, I literally, I was like, you know what, if I don't just go, I'm not going to go. Hmm. And I, I'm just so glad. I just picked up the materials that were needed for Jax, and I went. Um, and I had all of 13 light-year range, and it was great. Wow. <laughs> but I had... I kept up with the fleet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a great expedition going out to Colonia in my 13 light-year anaconda. And I can't say it was worse. Wow. 13 light years. 13. One, three. Do you know what? The, the shiny sidey, the one that is still stranded halfway between mm-hmm. the bubble and Colonia, that has a jump range of 14 light years. <laughs> you did it in something worse. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved it, though. Um, 
And I think in, in many respects, again, it's coming down to the aesthetics of the ship. You know, I really feel if you're role-playing in an anaconda, you've got a whole... You know, you've got a... Yeah. I mean, yeah you've no, got yeah. a... You've got enough room that you can actually get out and stretch your legs. You've got the bar at the front. You've got the swimming pool probably in the in the mid-deck. <laughs> um, yeah. you, you've got all these things. Um, I had no problems landing on planets. Um, I had enough room to carry everything. And I, I mean, I know other people have gone off and they've got their anacondas going like 500 light years and one jump nowadays or something crazy like that. With um, with, yeah, with neutron stars and appropriate boosters and stuff. Uh, but I never bothered with that. I just went for it. Um, this is before we had engineering and things as well, so hey. Um, well, yeah. Um, Mac Mac Winston has uh, said that he did the same thing to, with a twenty-one light year um, anaconda. Shan, yeah. So I was been sitting here listening to you guys sort of name ships and things, and I think by and large I agree with people's lists really. But I'm also sitting here thinking, well, actually, aren't aren't our answers now becoming this is my favourite ship, not because of its functionality or it's the best or whatever, it's because it stirs something in us that we enjoy. And and I think that does tie in with the theory we've spoken about before, where your ship is effectively your avatar or your yeah. class in-game. So what you're saying is, when I like this sort of ship or I like this sort of experience, you're you're doing the equivalent in an hour of saying, "Oh, I like to heal, or I like to be DPS, or I like to be a tank." <laughs> it is that kind of class thing because the, until obviously comes out, certainly the ships are our representation of how we are in game. So what one person enjoys, another person can detest, regardless of its effectiveness. Um, but still, sort of playing along with the favorite ship game. Um, Forgetting places, Anaconda, but it's horrible in Super Cruise. Um, <laughs> probably the best all-round ship at the moment is Create Phantom Exploration. Hmm. Cow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I did Colonia in my unengineered Type Nine, which was a mistake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was then. There was there wasn't any engineering then, but between. I think there was a patch or the patch uh, engineering came out while I was doing that and I ignored it again until I was challenged to take uh, my cowskin type 9 to Beagle Point uh, which point I had to do some engineering or I wasn't going to get there so I did engineer the jump drive now and so yeah I'd have to say in order to be you know true to my experiences in game of what I have used to get elite in exploration is my type 9 you just, love, you just love that cow skin, though, don't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> Only one in the game, everyone should point out. Right. The problem is, cow, when you're exploring, no one's there to see it. <laughs> I can Sovereign. see it. I can't even see it from the inside. <laughs> You've got external cameras, haven't you? 
My favorite explosion ship is uh, I did have um, the Vortigaunt Mark One was a uh, an ASP um, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was fun and um, I, a friend and I had a um, uh, a blog thing where we we wrote like um, sort of in universe diary entries um, based on what we were doing and at the time I had um, I thought it was a bug but I, I think it, actually it was a it was a problem with my with my hot ass at the time um, uh, some it, it would misregister inputs. And in the blog, I put this down to like um, a fault in my ship, um, and, I, and, and I'd write an entry about like, oh, you know, I went to we ex- sort of stopped at Beetlejuice, um, you know, had an uh, the, had the error recurred where X Y Z happened or whatever, um, and it was quite fun, um, and I really enjoyed that. And I always think of that ship as the ship with the with the the faulty, the you know the the, the fault in its wiring or whatever. Where it was actually it wasn't. It was it was a that, it was it was um, it was something wrong with the hot um, and, um, and I ended up selling that ship when I bought my Crate Mark II because um, because I it wasn't a thoroughbred explorer my ASP it was a uh, it was my all purpose but my main role in the game has generally been exploration so I've tended to my, my multi purpose ships have tended to have an exploration slant they've tended to you know they've, they've been multi purpose ships but I have prioritised jump range and uh, and and speed um, and um, and when I bought the Crate Mark II. Suddenly, I found that what I had was a a multi crew ship. Sorry, a multi purpose ship that was mm-hmm. that was better at, um, at at definitely speed and not much worse in range. Um, so I was like, well, I don't really need the Asp anymore. So I, I ended up selling the Asp, and, and now the Vortigaunt Two is the is is my main exploration ship. Even though it's not an exploration ship, really, it's over over time as I've done less exploration and more other things. I've I've um, I've en- I've changed it, and and now it's. It's a bit more robust. It's not engineered purely for for lightweight, long range anymore. It's it's engineered a little bit more for survivability and being able to do more things. Um, and I've since got um, I have a, an anaconda that I've um, usually used for exploration as well, called the Lord of Cobalt. And it is uh, it's about fifty light year jump range, forty five to fifty light year jump range. Can't remember exactly. Um, and um, but it's it's kind of built for survivable exploration. Um, and I, I went through the phase, as we all do, of um, of engineering the hell out of things to make them derated everything, lightweight everything, so that they, you know, they they, they can jump seven hundred light years, but they um, but but speak coarsely to them and they fall apart. Um, and um, and I and I, I got bored of that, so I've uh, so my exploration ship is now has now has a uh, respectable jump range of forty five or whatever, um, but about six thousand points of shield and about four thousand points of hull, um, which is great because I can. I can take more risks with it and um, and do more fun things. And it is a pig in Super Cruise, and the view is crap. But I really don't mind that in VR. It kind of feels appropriate to be on the top of a to to have a a, a non perfect view of over the bow of a, a ship the size of a, a small town. Um, and um, so I end up uh, I've, I took that to the Formidine Rift, and I took that um, across what I think it's called. I can't remember what the area of the galaxy is called, but there's a there's a there's a, a void between where the bubble is and the extreme end of the next spiral arm and i took it round that void and up the up that spiral arm and, it, and that was super fun it really felt like a i felt like i was in a, in a in a submarine on a on a long voyage through the the deep black and um and a long way from from help and the fact that it the fact that i didn't have a perfect view and it isn't particularly maneuverable kind of added to that um so i, I guess my favorite explorer would probably have to be the anaconda now even though it is not brilliant at the things that people prioritize for exploration yeah um oh, mac winston's asked only the lord of cobalt not the lords of cobalt then 
It's singular. It's oh. singular. Yeah. Because it is one thing, isn't it? The ship is one thing. I know that there are I know that there are more of them, but there is only one of my ships, so it's, it's gotta be a singular. Ah, right. Well I, that, sorry, Steve, does that mean if it's blown up, are you gonna rename it and call it something else? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet. I think I've only. I, th- I think it's only blown up once, actually. Um, so therefore, it's happened it before and will happen again. Two. Yeah, it'll probably happen again. Yeah, actually, no, I've blown it up twice. Once I got tangled. Once I was jumping back from Colonia, and on my jump into my home system, I got it tangled in the struts of the Orbis station. Uh, it's the most stupid effing um, explosion um, rebuy screen that I've ever heard. And the other time was, um, oh, I've also used it quite a lot for AX. It's really good for Thargoid combat. And I took, I put it up against a Basilisk. And the thing about Basilisks is that they're very, very fast. And my 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 um, my tactics for Thargoids are usually uh, get up close and personal, shoot them, uh, wait till they spawn the Thargoid swarm after you take a heart out. Uh, and then zoom away and take out and deal with the swarm f- away from the uh, away from the the thargoid itself. But you can't do that with basilisks because they just chase you. Um, and it did that and it chased me down and blew me up. So I got two two rebuys on that ship. <laughs> well, moving moving on to uh, to Maine, I guess um, I'm going to be a bit controversial and stick with the uh, ever popular Asp Explorer. Now I've I've got a, a crate phantom and uh I've got an anaconda which could be set up for uh for exploration but I always when I want to go out on a bay exploration trip it's into the asp explorer and the main reason for that is basically the viewport sitting sitting in that cockpit just makes is it's just fine for me uh it especially in via, I know everybody else is saying it's great to have a big, um, a big cockpit, uh, you know, ar- around you in in VR. But uh, I don't know. I, th- I think the the Asp Explorer just feels right. The Diamondback Explorer felt as if it would shake apart at at any moment. Uh, which I do believe you want to talk about, Shad, the Diamondback. Uh, yes, I was about to say the best ship I've had for Guardian Ruins. Is a Diamondback Explorer because it's so much easier to land and get close to the ruins. the The Asp is okay, but can be a bit big in some sites. But the DDX has a great jump range and it's quite little, so you can park it well. Apparently, my pausing is causing a bit of problem. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> just that, of course, that would set Blooming Crant off, wouldn't it? Uh, sorry, I had a bat. Anyway, I'm a back explorer. <laughs> Earlier, Ben said, uh, "I uh, I absolutely love big cockpits as well." So there, there, there's some amusement to be had from editing this week, I think, Ventura. I'm, oh, I'm surprised dear. Ben didn't say he loves it. He loves watching his joystick waggle when he's exploring or something like that. <laughs> mm. yeah. Anyway, EPX Guardian Ruins is my ship of choice. Excellent. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's the main three. I mean, um, I, we're beginning to run out of time, actually. So, just quickly go around around the rest of the group and just say, um, best overall ship that you want that you like. Quickly, Ben. If we're going quickly, quick Crate Mark Two, lovely mission runner, great fun to fly. So so much variety, love it. 
Okay. Um, Chan. Anaconda. Anaconda. Full stop. Right. Fair enough. Um, Suv. Crate Mark 2. Easy. Best, best ship they've made. Okay. Cow. Type 9. I'm never out of it. Always love it when I'm back in it. Because <laughs> it's got a large cock. Bit. That's it. It's got a tall. It's got. A, it's, it's got quite a high cockpit. To be honest, it's quite a. a, a, a oh God! What have I submitted to now? Oh God! What's the graph like? Um, it's not particularly wide, and there's a big cupboard at the back, which is, I really would. Oh fuck! It's a python, right? Um, uh, I shall be back in a minute. Um, oh God damn it! I've got a whole. I've got tons of meds. I need to get this to the station before they all die. Don't kill me, you get. <laughs> Oh dear, just at the wrong time for an interdiction. Um, yeah. Uh, Souverine, yes, you've done yours. We've done it. Oh, just me. Well, uh, actually, mine is the best ship that I enjoy flying at the moment <laughs> Imperial Clipper, surprisingly enough. Interesting. How do you get over the convergence thing? Or do you have gimbals? Uh, I have turrets. Nice. Yeah, Gimbal scrub. I've got two fixed um, plasma launchers on the front and two massive uh, gimbal turrets at the back. And that the, seems to cover everything I need. The cutter, all the hard points of the cutter are on the uh, nacelles. They're all, on, they're all right on the end. No, I said clipper, not cutter. You mean the clipper? No, I, I, sorry, I mean the clipper. The clipper doesn't have any that are um, central, does it? All its hard points are on the nacelles. <laughs> Am I right? right? Or not? Well, someone said, "Oh, Witherspoon's he's he's come back and said that he he want he likes the Courier because it's fun. It is which a great is, ship. Which is if you want straight up canyon running, that's that's a good ship. Another day, it would be good. Real to men do... run canyons in a Type Nine. <laughs> <laughs> best racer would be a good a good chat for another day. Yeah, I mean this best miner, best racer." Um, what other categories could we come up with? Best basking. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Best pirate. Oh, no, that's an interesting one. Best Thargoid hunter. That, that is interesting because you're really limited in terms of your toolkit. You've got to use a certain set of weapons, but the ship you use is really mutable. Yeah, a certain set of skills are needed. This sounds like one of those what car magazines where they're really desperate to, I don't know, let a Fiat Panda win or something like that. So they just invent a category for it. <laughs> so you're on about Top Gear test driving the latest Reliant Robin again, aren't you? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it. Live Radio, Live Radio has to take out a Thargoid just using haulers. That's, that's what we've got to do. Oh, oh yes. Wing, that'd be brilliant. A wing of haulers. Up against the Thargoid. Yeah, that's what we've been done. Are we allowed to use premium ammo? Oh, yeah. Use whatever you like. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, oh, yeah, and best smuggler. There's a good one. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. There's loads, of, there's there's more variables to that than people would imagine, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've got a gold mine for the next couple of weeks until we get some Odyssey news then. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, um, moving on from uh, our nice little discussion there, um, we have uh, a couple of community things to point out. Uh, first one up is this week, Elite Week, um, had an interview with the pilot. Uh, I thought that was, was quite a, a nice 
interview. Uh, now the pilot is basically is run out of elite ships to uh, to um, do videos on, so he's moved on to other space sims for the moment. But it is it's still nice to uh, to see that he's he's still taking part in the game. Um, we do have to also point out that the uh, the speedball um, <coughs> the speedball. Uh, buckyball that i was referring to last week that is just that's alex turner doesn't have anything to do with that one <laughs> uh he, he's just like that to to be to be known but at the moment what's this about the 8wd endurance rally race one there's a series of route of eight wheel drive um races that the buckyballers well the that are being done, not by, not by Buckyballers, sorry, I tell a lie there, I think. But, you know, speaking of Alec Turner, funnily enough, you know, it's got something to do with driving around in a SRV and Alec is there. And basically, the last week one, they had them all starting out in a canyon doing an 80, I think it was an 82 kilometer race. But like a lot of the rallies in sort of in the real world, um, there, it's a whole series. So, this one's eighty-two kilometers. There's another one that's three hundred odd kilometers. There's another one that is. It's, it's a whole load of different ranges, basically, um, across a variety of terrain, to test all your different skills. And I was watching. There's a lovely video on it that Grant is playing now, I believe, and. Just watching these guys flying through the canyons, and they've got their SRVs somehow fl- handling more like SLFs. Frankly, mm. I don't know how the heck. I'm I'm going to have to get Alec on at some point to actually teach me how to fly properly, properly. Because how the hell they do those things, never touching the ground, I don't get. You know, it's just, it's, I, I don't understand it, but they, they manage so well, it's ridiculous. Um, and it just looks like, it looks like they, they all had a blast. And the, the video is, it's just, it's very nicely filmed, very, you can really feel the energy of the event, I guess. Um, and amazingly enough, you know, um, I think it was Commander Shay Blackwood won it in something like 30 odd minutes. And I, I, there was one guy who got it in just over an hour. Oh, sorry, an hour and a half. Sorry, and I'd be probably around about the two-hour mark, I think, to to drive eighty kilometers. But hey, um, so yeah, that's what that's what that's all about. And it looks like they had a lot of fun doing it. Excellent. Um, just a quick word to the, the team. You don't mind if we move? Um, we had this this. Fantastic email from uh, Commander Cliff, um, who had a lot of feedback on what he considers um, might be a misunderstanding that new players might have about the game. Um, would you mind if we move that to, beca- to next week because we are beginning to run out of time? Yeah, it doesn't do justice to doing it. No, because he, he's made a lot of good points, and I think that it deserves a lot of uh, good discussion there. So. Um, just to let you know, Commander Cliff, we've got your email. We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. 
Um, so we're going to give our, our usual shout out. So um, for our sister station at Hutton Orbital Radio that broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, 20.30. That's, uh, that's eight in the evening. Uh, British summertime. You can tune in at tv.forthemug.com. That would be 8.30 or... in the evening, Colin, no. not 8. Yes, that as well. Yes. Just for the audio or at radio.forthemug.com. Uh, for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash EliteDangerousCQC. That's all one words. Um, that's very useful for arranging matches and, and uh, uh, arranging murder mayhem. Um, we also believe we do have a, a Galnet news from Commander Witherspoon following this broadcast. Um, we'd also like to thank all those who have chipped in on the Twitch chat and uh, any in-game commanders that have buzzed Ben or Cal or Commander Ventura that have been on the stream. Okay, uh, Shan, you wanted to drop in something? Yes, it was the answer to the question I asked earlier in that what has the show number got in common with the phrase the whole nine yards oh of course yes you you have a quick exploration of that and educate a lot of lot of people go off you go okay well of course the episode number is uh, 303 and the origin of the term the whole nine yards came from the fact that the length of a belt of ammunition for spitfires was nine yards and the spitfires at the time used eight browning 303 machine guns so the term giving someone the whole nine yards basically meant you used up all the ammunition from a spitfire now there's just that that vaguely rings rings a bell with me because in a spitfire you to use up your old nine yards would be a sort of like Something like four or five seconds of firing. It was a very short amount of time, yeah. Because um, there, there was this wonderful uh, book. I'm sorry to go off track here. There's a wonderful book uh, by one of the Spitfire pilots in the Battle of Britain called First Light. And he describes basically... Jeffrey Willen, I think. That's the guy. And he, he did... He, he did become an ace. He was the youngest Spitfire pilot in the battle, if I remember rightly. And he was describing the content, the com uh, the combat as basically, you fly up, you make one, maybe two passes, you buzz twice, and that's it, you're done. You've, you've got to go back and rearm. And it, it just yeah. made, it, it just made you think that, how the heck were people able to fight and win with just that little small window of opportunity? It's just amazing to me. Anyway, um, the community question, um, which we were going to ask, is if you could just have one ship for the rest of the game, what would it be? Say, for instance, I don't know, a bug hit the system and the sh the you were only allowed to swap to one ship. What would it be for the rest of the game? Panther Clipper. <laughs> I think we should answer that next week, to be honest. Well, well, yeah, that's the community question. We'll join in with with whatever whatever feedback we get. So, has anybody got any final business before we sign out? Nope. I guess I'll quickly say that turning the wheel is still going on. 
they're basically... I would say that they're fortifying up, aren't they, Colin? They are, definitely. Um, um, but no real exciting news to go on about it. It's just pushing on, doing well. Yes, yes. There's, there's been a little bit of excitement when somebody um, thought they'd come across some secret messages, but that just turned out to be someone gassing. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, dear. Um, oh, yeah. Suf, was there a Sagai lately? There was one in June. There was one a month ago. Issue 27. Uh, uh, there was a Distant Worlds last week. Suf's <laughs> going, that's news to me. Right. <laughs> you mean Parallel Worlds? Parallel Worlds, yes. Uh, was there one of those last week? Oh, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, there, <laughs> there was... Uh, I think there was one on uh, two weeks ago. Issue eleven released two weeks ago, and issue twelve will release on uh, issue twelve will release on the fourteenth of August, and it is shaping up really nicely. Um, and issue five of Cosmonaut, our Star Citizen magazine, will also release on the fourteenth of August, um, and that is um, is looking absolutely brilliant. There's a really fun moment in the life cycle of the of these things where you you. Uh, you feel like every issue is demonstrably better than the last, and we and we are comfortably we're getting into that now with Cosmonaut. Um, every issue is is easily better than the last, and with Parallel Worlds, we we hit we we sort of since about issues six or seven, we sort of hit a format where it's all just started to to slot into place. All the writers know exactly what they're doing. The designers know exactly what they're doing. There's there's less there's less feeling our way, and there's more. No, we got this, um, and um, it's really gratifying. So, yeah, about, I, about the cosmonauts, sorry, I, I heard a rumor about that. Is it true that it's full of adverts and the text is written in pencil so it can change up quickly afterwards? No, it's not true. adverts, though. It has in universe adverts written by our artists. Sorry, Colin, go on. <laughs> One final thing to mention: we have to to say happy birthday to Commander Wotherspoon for last week. However, we only found out it was his birthday because he was on the guard frequency. <clears throat> Never mind. Uh, so as we go and uh, drag Silverway to wash his mouth out of with soap and water for mentioning that other game, that is it <laughs> for another episode of Live Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up on facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. And we can have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. Uh, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. And Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight, uh, British summertime, and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Souverine, thanks to Ben, uh, thanks to Shan, and special thanks, of course, go to PsychoCal for the being the tech man for tonight. Uh, but until next time, commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. <laughs> Cock! <laughs>
Galnet News Digest, 28th of July, 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, the devil makes work for Ida hands. Tritium treat for trolled travellers. Welcome to SRV hell. Ontological confusion besets the panther clipper. The devil makes work for Ida hands. Following the conclusion last week of the operation to repair Thargoid-damaged stations, galactic authorities have expressed concern over the effect large gatherings of newly unemployed truckers might have for security and the economy. A statement issued by Operation Ida leaders pointed out that they've been hauling repair materials to damaged stations since the 15th of January 3304, which means that the operation took two and a half years from beginning to end, not 18 months, as we said last week. Operation Ida was responsible for the repair of 146 of the damaged stations, and their 1,500 commanders have between them shifted more than 110 million tonnes of repairs, in addition to much more that was stolen at the time of delivery by corrupt freight-handling agents in the pay of galactic crime boss Don Antonacci. The motto of Operation Ida is We Move Mountains, and they've promised that if they're ever needed again, they'll be ready and waiting. In the meantime, the commanders of Operation Ida held a massive celebratory party at Malthus Terminal and have completely wrecked the station. Tritium Treat for Troubled Travellers Following the critical shortages of tritium last week, Brewer Corporation has issued a free tank of fuel to all its customers as a gesture of goodwill. The Pilots' Federation is reported to be working on a fix for the defective limpet controllers that mean that the majority of tritium deposits cannot be mined, and it is expected to deliver a partial fix on Wednesday. 
The shortage of tritium has hit deep space exploration particularly hard, with the Deep Space Support Array unable to guarantee meeting its deployment targets. However, the tritium shortage does not seem to have affected sales of fleet carriers. As of Monday, there were 13,235 operational fleet carriers in the galaxy. In related news, Brewer Corporation has warned fleet carrier owners that the painting contractors who paint the names onto fleet carriers may sometimes get carried away and paint additional unwanted letters at the beginning of the ship's name. This has already caused some embarrassment and inconvenience for the owners of the fleet carriers, Anne Kerr and Anne King. Welcome to SRV Hell. As one event finishes, two new ones begin. The keys to the carrier buckyball race has ended, and both Slaughterball and the eight-wheel drive SRV Endurance Challenge have started. Both new events are multi-week events running on Sundays and inflicting significant damage on Core Dynamics Scarab SRVs. With Slaughterball, SRVs are expected to fight to the death, with ships allowed to attack from the air after 15 minutes if there's still no clear winner. The Elite Racers Endurance Championship is likely to inflict significant damage on the competitors' SRVs, but there is at least a reasonable chance that more than one SRV will arrive intact at the end of each stage. Members of the Buckyball Racing Club, notably Shay Blackwood, who also won the Keys for the Carrier time trial, have been participating in the Endurance Championship, with some limited success in the first event. Meanwhile, the Keys Cut While You Wait fleet carrier is suffering from an embarrassing surfeit of Guardian Keys, brought there as part of the Keys to the Carrier race. The carrier owner, Commander Kaizen, is believed to be hoping to sell them on Galbay as exotic Ashling Duval branded glow sticks. Ontological confusion besets the Panther Clipper. Many commanders have been looking forward for years to the relaunch of the classic Panther as a giant clipper-style carrier. The recent release of fleet carriers threw the prospect of ever seeing the Panther Clipper into doubt. With the enormous capacity of the fleet carrier and the expanded haulage capabilities of the Lake on Type 9, is there really space in the lineup for another bulk hauler? However, when asked last week when the Panther Clipper would become available, a spokesperson for the Pilots' Federation, known only as the Toilet Paper King, said... Uh, we don't have anything to announce about Odyssey at this moment in time. The spokesperson then went on to partially withdraw his remark. You'll maybe think Stephen slipped in a low-key confirmed Panther Clipper. No, I have not confirmed anything. Before going on to say that he was pretty sure that New Zealand was in Australia and proceeded to pose his anaconda above Papua New Guinea, apparently under the impression that this was the home of the Kiwis and the All Blacks. The first set of information about what the galactic overhaul, codenamed Odyssey, might mean is due in only a few weeks. The update itself is due in less than six months. And that is this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. 
uh, try and find New Zealand on Earth and pose above that for the picture. Oh, that's going to be so difficult to do because my geography is terrible. Uh, what am I looking at just now? I don't know what, what country I'm in just now. Can you see what I'm looking at, Bruce? <laughs> Guys, I, I, know, I know New Zealand is Australia. <laughs> I know, I know that. Uh, I just can't, couldn't find it on the way the map was laid out because planet's upside down, it's not flat. 